You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, this is your host, Bethany Moore, from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice from the National Cannabis Industry Association. In these episodes, NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice sent our microphones to interview speakers, exhibitors, and attendees at NCIA's fifth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. Stay tuned to hear more from industry leaders and experts. And once again, welcome to our coverage of the NCIA Cannabis Business Summit and Expo here at CannabisRadio.com for the year 2018. We're inside the Cultivation Lounge, which is a nice, wonderful, comfortable place for people to network and uh, share views and ideas. And right now, we're going to go into the area of so the, uh, the area of state of Nevada and cannabis. And right now, I'm happy to be joined by Scott Rutledge. He is Director of Government Affairs and a cannabis lobbyist in the state of Nevada for Argentum Partners. Scott, welcome to Cannabis Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. This uh, has been one of my favorite conferences to come to over the last several years. And uh, it's a little weird not being in Oakland today. Uh, you know, San Jose is a great city, but yeah, it's been taking a little to get used to for sure. Well, I mean, we've spent, uh, I mean, just in different sectors, I can tell you that, you know, the radio company I work for, we've gone to a lot of shows in San Jose, and we've had fun at this convention center, throwing our Bud Bash last night, which did very well, had a very good turnout. And the lay of this land, I mean, you're concentrated here. The one thing, you know, we'll get back into the subject, is that you can really enjoy yourself here. Everybody stays within the area, and the community really embraces the conventions like ours a lot, and that's something that's got to be done. And talking about embracing... We're talking about Vegas, we're talking about Nevada, and more importantly, the city of Las Vegas. You know, still very much a major hub for tourism. They've definitely gone through a lot of change, a lot of corporatization. 
a lot of fees, a lot of things to uh, from the government that are being asked for, that are being put along the taxpaying tourists. And one of the things that you're trying to worry about now is in Nevada, if you're a resident, I mean, we now have cannabis uh, adult use legalization now in Nevada. And for tourists to come and enjoy it, for, cons- for residents to go and enjoy it, it's been a lot of hurdles, a lot of obstacles. Talk to me about some of the hurdles and obstacles they've had and what your company, what you do as a lobbyist, you're trying to correct. Thanks, Brasco. So I'll start with my history with the, uh, with the plant and with the movement. I moved to Las Vegas in 2004 to work for Marijuana Policy Project's campaign to legalize. Didn't work out well. Jay Leno made a joke about it, actually, on The Tonight Show, how the, the stoners lost a box of signatures. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a real thing. Won't get into it. Um, after that, I, I pivoted into local campaigns, uh, did some legislative work, uh, and now I work at a government affairs firm. Uh, Twelve years after I moved to Las Vegas to legalize marijuana, I was asked to manage the legalization campaign back in 2016. So very full circle. Um, in the process of, of doing that work, uh, one thing we never talked about, and, and this became apparent after the election when we won, was the idea of uh, public consumption. So in, in the law that we passed in 2016, um, it says that you can consume at home or on private property with owner's permission, which means that for the 43 million tourists that come to Nevada, they have nowhere to consume it. And for people who, for example, live in a rental property or want to smoke at their office or want to go to a private event somewhere, technically, by the letter of the law, none of that is legal. So what we're trying to do is provide safe, well-regulated venues where people can consume cannabis. We're going to call it a social use venue ordinance. That's that's the term we're using. Uh, the city of Las Vegas uh, has been actively working on this for at least the last six months. I've been working with them on this for about nine months. Uh, we expect to uh, have a solution in place by the end of this year, and we hope to see the first venues open next year. The biggest hurdles and challenges we've had to deal with, of course, are uh, the stigma with cannabis is a real thing. Um, what we have to do is explain to whether it be the council member or law enforcement, uh, because they always, they always have a say in these things, um, talking with uh, other stakeholders in the community, uh, get them to understand what we're talking about, the idea of a social use venue, kind of taking away some of their stigma about it and saying, look, People are using cannabis today, but they're smoking it in the on the back patio of the venue, or maybe they're in, a, in an alleyway behind the bar, or they're out in the parking lot or in their car, and they've been doing this well before we ever legalized it. So what we should do is take it out of the shadows and put it out where the public can, can again, it's a social plant, it's a social use thing. That's what we're trying to change. And because when I say Las Vegas, everybody thinks gaming and casinos and the resort corridor, we have to give a place for those tourists who cannot consume legally at those hotels, in their room even, that's illegal. We gotta give them a place to go. So there is a public policy aspect to this that's really important. And that's getting to that point. So the tourists, I mean listen, the major source of revenue for the tourism that comes into Las Vegas, what has been the response from the hotels and casinos, which obviously MGM, Caesars have the bulk of all, most of these properties. You got Resorts World coming in as well, other changes. And what is their response? I mean, their representation. 
Are they budging? Are they willing to give in a little bit? Listen, they already, I, I went to Las Vegas for vacation a couple weeks ago, state of Bally's, and I see through every hotel that I go to, they make it a point that they're LGBT friendly, which is great. And the truth is, it works because there was quite a, a diverse group of people showing up. But there are spaces, loads of spaces in every casino hotel where they can provide social use, like you said. Provide that place where they can go ahead and partake in their product. If it's a smoking room, let it be a smoking room. But why aren't they allowing that? What are they saying about it? Look, I won't speak on behalf of the, the gaming industry. I will, I will say this. Gaming is federally regulated as well. You know, cannabis is still a federally prohibited substance. You cannot mix the two. To be safe to keep that separation so that one like look every state is determining its own fate every time we pass a law and we legalize it right that's another state that said we are willing to take that risk we support states rights right every community that says we'll license those businesses you know so that they can sell you can you know these farmers can uh, can farm like we, we're doing something that regardless of everything we think at the state and local level the feds it's very clear it's still illegal so with gaming we're not going to see those two things come together. I do believe that there will be a day, perhaps after federal prohibition ends, when you might be able to go to a place inside a resort and consume. Maybe at some point in the future, you might even be able to play video poker and consume. But today, that is not legal, and I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. When you have brought this up and you presented this, what is the common proposal for these type of venues, what are you telling, what is the idea? What would be the optimal idea for one of these type of venues? Yeah, I'm a very visual person. Uh, let me describe for your listeners what we're talking about here, right? So we know that people that consume cannabis, what's different than them and people who consume alcohol? Generally, not a lot. A lot of times they're the same people, right? In terms of what activities do people enjoy doing, it's the same thing, right? So instead of trying to make cannabis consumption or social use venues other i want as i envision it and as we've worked with the city and and as they have they're invested in this they've they've bought in and they're serious about getting it done right um it'll almost feel like you're going to a bar in fact we're going to allow beer and wine sales at these venues and keep the alcohol content low not as a primary point of business but so that one you have a revenue stream because it's also in state law that you can't consume at point of sale, which means that these venues are not going to be able to purchase cannabis at the venue. It'll be BYOB, bring your own bud, right? So you'll go to the dispensary down the street, you'll pick up your bud, you're getting your Uber, or maybe there's a shuttle or a limo or a cab or you're walking, who knows? And then you're going to come down to the venue. And when you bring it in, we're going to get you set down somewhere. We're going to have a conversation about, you know, this is what our venue is. Here's what you've brought in. Great. Would you like a beverage? Alcoholic, non-alcoholic? Maybe you have something to eat. It's going to be some good chill music. Uh, different venues are going to have different ideas about how they do this. Some might not serve alcohol at all. They might just look like a coffee shop, right? But the idea is that these are going to look like places that we already go to, except we're going to make the consumption of cannabis a permissive activity. A couple more questions for Scott Relage here with our gentle partners. The resistance by a state that allows prostitution in certain areas, allows gambling, and is, is the, the, the tourism division basically talks about whatever happens stays. 
I mean, the kind of, it's an adult environment. Why there isn't more clarity and more, you know, common sense about why this would go hand in hand. Talk to me about that, about why is there that, that wall right there? And second, what would be the thought about how, which I noticed and we were talking about before we started this interview, if these venues were to come into play, what kind of taxation, what kind of fees are going to be put upon these places? Because, I mean, Jesus Christ, you have every kind of fee possible now being put on every tourist that comes into that area. Your service people are getting affected and everybody gets affected by the control for power, the control for money they can get, which is what it is. It's what kind of a cash cap can we have? And, you know, do we allow it? So talk to me about all these kind of... I mean, let's start with, uh, you know, I don't think that wall exists anymore. I mean, when we, the voters of Nevada passed approved legalization in 16, within six months of the new year starting, we had a, what we called our quick start or fast track program. We were selling cannabis legally to adults 21 and older, six months ahead of schedule, right? And not only has it been embraced by our legislature and our regulators who have done an amazing job, especially the Department of Taxation, is really, they've done something that I, I don't think most governments, most people would assume government could do that fast. Um, local governments have embraced it now. The, the, those who opposed us now say, well, if we've got it, let's make sure it works well. So that's good. So I think that wall's breaking down. Look, I think that we still find that only a third of people that of tourists that come or, or visitors that come to Southern Nevada even know that you can purchase legal cannabis. And the reason why, like the LBCVA who came up with the slogan, what happens here stays here, and other organizations that promote tourism for Southern Nevada don't talk about cannabis yet is because we don't have a place for them to go. As soon as we have a place where a consumer who, let's say a visitor who buys marijuana legally now and wants to consume it in Southern Nevada, when we have places for them to go, I guarantee you we're going to see this in, in, as part of our broader communication about tourism. And I think cannabis tourism in Southern Nevada is going to be a real thing. As far as fees and taxes, look, the businesses themselves are going to be responsible for paying you know, the license for the beer and wine if they want to do that. They're going to have to pay for the business license for the business. There are costs in doing business. But for that guest who comes in, look, I think some venues are going to just say, look, come on in. Um, we're going to, they're expecting you to purchase some food or some beverages or something like that. Some might want to do it as a membership, like a club, kind of like what we see in Spain. Um, there may be, there's, look, here's the thing. My goal in this is not to tell people how to make money running these venues. My goal is to make these venues possible and try to eliminate some of the red tape so that you have the ability to create new revenue streams. I remember, I bet we're probably close to the same age. You remember going to Hard Rock Cafe in another city and you had to get the t-shirt that said I was at Hard Rock Cafe wherever it was, right? Or your friend went to vacation, they come back, Hard Rock Cafe, Cancun. And you're like, okay, that's cool. I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a branding and opportunity here where people are going to go to these venues and they're going to go, I I've got to get the t-shirt. The same way that you walk around this conference and people are wearing hats and everything and they're, they're showing off the brands. This is a very brand heavy industry, right? I think that these venues can also take advantage of that. So I, again, I feel like this is actually going to be something that's going to welcome everybody. I think that it's going to be a place where instead of spending a ton of money going to a nightclub, come hang out at our lounge, right? So instead of going to a Starbucks, come drink coffee at our coffee shop and smoke your joint. We're going to, in some ways, I think, give people those options. And uh, I'm really excited about that opportunity. We a lot of, still a lot of work, a lot of ground to cover. So 
if they want to learn more about what you're doing and they want to go and talk to you and uh, say they're in the state of Nevada or just want to learn more information, how can they get a hold of you or your company? So, um, I mean, presently right now, our firm, we work with all manner of types of, uh, of clients, not just cannabis. That actually helps us in a lot of ways because we can get different perspectives about some of these issues, especially related to cannabis. But there's a lot of cross, there's a lot of ways that we can bring a perspective on behalf of a client because we don't say just represent cannabis clients. Um, our firm, you know, we're Nevada-based. Uh, we have an office in Reno and we have one in uh, Las Vegas. We focus on Nevada-based issues. I, I do a little bit of work outside of the state of Nevada with uh, different, you know, I, I'm talking to some potential clients in California right now. We've talked to some folks in uh, Colorado and, and a few other states, but but really we're focused on Nevada. That's, that's, our, that's where we do our work. So if you're interested in, you know, getting more information about this uh, the social use venue you want to you, you have an idea you want to open up a business um, I can tell you these are going to be you know not easy to come by but they are going to be available and uh, I think by early next year folks will be able to apply our uh, website is uh, as argentumnv.com and uh, I'm on that website you can also find me on LinkedIn Scott Rutledge I'm on Twitter at Scott Rutledge hit me up in my DMs tweet at me but yeah let's have a conversation all right so again, we've been joined by Scott Rulledge, Director of Government Affairs for Argentum Partners. Thank you for joining us here on Cannabis Radio. Thank you very much for having me, Brasca. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Join us in Anaheim, California this October 22nd and 23rd at NCIA and CCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference. With 60,000 square feet of expo floor, over 3,000 cannabis business leaders, and over 100 thought leaders and policymakers, the California Cannabis Business Conference is the place to learn how to navigate the world's largest adult use market. Register today at www.CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. The 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is just days away. August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on a jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, plus our can't-miss networking mega-yacht event, High Tide. You still have time to join us in Miami August 24th through the 26th for the 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss out. Log on to usccexpo.com and register now. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back to hear more from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. And thanks for joining us for our post-show coverage here of the NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit here on CannabisRadio.com. 
and we're still catching up with a few more people that we had spoken to at the show. And right now, joining me here on, on our grassroots marketing series is Victoria Posh. She's the creative director of A Pop Media. Uh, you're actually the very first person that caught my attention at the show. You were doing some work with what you have as in retail cannabis ad network and digital menu platform. So the thing was, you were providing the video platforms throughout the entire Cannabis Business Summit. Tell me about that relationship and the relationship you're trying to create with cannabis dispensaries and retail outlets and the like. Sure, so yeah, the NCIA partnered with APOP and uh, this is not our first time. We actually do all of their events. Um, We'll list the schedules, the sponsors, any kind of video content that's related to the show, and kind of the uh, digital signage for navigating the event. Um, and so we were there to not only assist them as a, as a partner, um, it was uh, a disguised sponsorship for us as well, because instead of having one booth, uh, we had 13, and they were scattered along uh, the event and uh, we're helping people. So originally the company started to work in the cannabis space. What was the importance of making sure that this kind of digital menu technology was being used? We, um, obviously we see in a lot of uh, restaurants and stores that it's becoming much more prominent. People are definitely going to that route. What's the impact that you feel like having this kind of digital advertising possibilities and, and the way that the uh, technology is being used, the way you're using this digital ad network. Talk to me about the impact of it. What's the importance of it and why you feel like the cannabis industry needs to have this included into their shops? So, yeah, ACOP uh, is a beneficiary to dispensaries because not only are we providing in-house um, entertainment and education on our screens. We actually partner with Dispensary's POS system um, to provide digital signage for uh, their current inventory. And it's automatic updated, so stores don't have to ever touch their menus again. If they're already inputting their inventory into their POS systems, we're just doing them a favor by displaying it. Uh, we customize them as well to go with the decor of the dispensary and um, you know make it really cohesive and add a professional touch. Now, I see the videos uh, that you've made, and I see some of them through uh, different places, including on the website, apopmedia.com. And you make a mention quoting that there are two main impressions that the company gets each month from your content, and you're able to reach 100% of the audience that you're trying to, that, that's watching your content. It's all in the video. So talk to me about what kind of infrastructure do you have do you have a big staff that's working on videos on a regular basis? What, uh, how much can they do in terms of videos? And it's, is it only for the menu platforms? Can they use it for other things, say for any kind of 4D kind of presentations? What other things uh, are you able to do that might not be just only on the platform? Can it be in other ways? Because obviously your videos are quite good. Thank you sure. so much. I appreciate that. I don't know how much you were yeah, taking no. credit of it, but you got a great team out there, and I'm sure you're one of the managers that's kind of leading the way. Yeah, so I'm the creative director, so a lot of the content goes through me, or I actually produce it. Um, that's anything in-house, but we do have really great content partners and providers, um, like Prohibited. We work with Viceland. 
um, Super Deluxe, uh, Green Street Agency, a lot of content providers will um, have this inventory of a library of content that they're uh, looking for a place to display it uh, to their customers or to people that they want to they want to speak to. And um, in our advantage, uh, right now, the laws actually prohibit advertising towards cannabis. Um, excuse me, for cannabis mm-hmm. to consumers um, unless it is proven that 71% of the audience is 21 years and older. So we get to work with these really cool partners that have you know, created content that's specifically for a cannabis consumer um, and audience that we uh, provide a channel and a marketing platform to reach um, directly without any kind of uh, limitations. So I love uh, working as a, you know, as a producer and a creative director because it allows me to be flexible with how I want to present uh, cannabis to the industry and also how APOP wants to present cannabis to the industry. You know, it's, it's turning into more of this um, professional, but still like we, we still include and incorporate all types of audiences that are watching, you know, because right. it's, it's not just a, a quote on stoner, you know, we've got moms coming into the sensories and, you know, we have people with aches and pains and grandparents and people that want to, you know, provide cannabis to their pets. So to figure out what the audience is, I think is the most, uh, is the most necessary thing for us to be providing content for them. So I'm talking here with Victoria Posh of APOP Media, and you bring up a great point about the idea of having to go ahead and deal with certain clients that you deal with that are still wanting to placate to the stereotype. And I know that in some of the productions, you still do that to some extent. And it's obvious that the mainstream still expects that from this industry, which, you know, that's just how it is. Now, you said you do this also hands-on. So how hands-on, I mean, are you literally, have you done some of the editing of the videos yourselves? I mean, do you take a lot of point into terms of what shots are taken, how uh, videos are shot, and then how they're put together into any particular presentations? Absolutely. Um, my my second main role to, um, you know, figuring out our loop, which is basically what, you know, right. the form of content and how it flows uh, is, is to create content myself. Um, so I am. So you're basically in front of an Apple iMac. I'm editing. You're like you're in front of like one of those big Apple iMacs editing through video on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Very cool. Um, so now, is it important for you to necessarily do the content for the platforms because you're looking to try to go ahead and monetize first of all the content and the platform to place that content is it more important for that or do you feel like there's a second revenue model with an apop to do videos that might be used for youtube or vimeo or other places that might be important for people for marketing purposes yeah so i would say um honestly about 60 to 70 percent of all of our advertisers that come on to apop they don't have a commercial created already. They have an idea, they have some materials, some digital materials, um, but they really don't have anything to present on the channel. And and they think of this, you know, massive production and it scares them from, you know, pursuing uh, that. So we're really lucky to have, you know, a team of designers and uh, producers in-house to create that content for them um, so that they could, you know, 
not only brand themselves in the dispensaries, but have video content for them to use outside of it. So I think really changing up the traditional advertising, the TV advertising like commercials and making them professional, but also really tailored and geared towards an audience that's engaged and in a positive mindset while they're sitting in the dispensaries, you know, really focusing on educating the customer and not just trying to trick them into buying a brand that looks good. It's like, this is what this brand stands for and here's why you should look into it or you should try it. Um, but on another scale, we're not only just reaching the consumers, we're reaching the bud tenders and the store owners um, who are impressionable as well. Those are honestly, I think, the most impressionable people that uh, brands should be looking to reach because they push products. Um, so I think it's important to know that we, we make them quick, entertaining, you know, fun and visually appealing, um, but also really, truly um, marketing them in a way that they want to be best represented. So, Impressionable is a great word. Uh, can I tell you, impressionable is a great, great word because, like I said, you were one of the first people I met when I got onto the show floor at the Cannabis Business Summit. You left one of the uh, best impressions I've gotten of anybody. And I'm not sure if it's just because your fact that you're based in Los Angeles, the company's based in Los Angeles, and there's just something about, I guess, uh, first of all, I guess, was there something, I guess, that can be said of, of maybe just networking for, because, or do you use that for your advantage of talking about you're in Southern California and Hollywood, that just the mystique, the kind of climate that you're in, and having to go and work hand in hand with the kind of technology and the kind of competition there is out there for marketing for for this kind of digital video is there anything that you play off of that work it in your favor yes absolutely our whole team are really big personality people um our founder uh matt young actually uh is the reason that this is a success is because of how um how much he networks i mean he's uh one of the original you know i'd like to say oh geez in the industry, um, you know, previously being a cultivator and also owning a dispensary, um, his relationships are the reason why we have 250 locations across California. Um, wow. Without that kind of knowledge of who is his consumer, which are the dispensary owners, and to be able to speak their language and uh, reach them uh, personally uh, as one of their own, um, I think it's a huge advantage for us. And I would say for myself as well, I'm, I'm a bubbly person. I love meeting new people and I love to tell people what we're about. And, and I think when you seem excited about something, you get other people excited about it. And that's what I, that's what I try to incorporate in conversations. Um, so maybe that's what you got off of when you met me. Well, it was the whole experience. I just think there was just something that was, I felt a good impression. I just felt good vibes, good R about you. I just felt like, you were somebody I wanted to get to know better, learn about more about what you do, and that's why, you know, I, I'll be honest, I kind of went out of my way to make sure we got this interview together because I thought you had something great to say and I just thought that, you know, so find a way to keep in touch, keep connected because people should keep connected with you and I think what you're doing at APOP is really great. So for those that are interested in learning more, how can they find out more? All right, you can check us out at www.apopmedia.com. Um, you can check out check us out on social media as well. Um, just follow us, Apop Media. Um, you can reach out to me personally. My email is posh at apopmedia.com. And 
thank you so much for saying that, by the way. I sincerely appreciate that. It was an honor to meet you as well and knowing how much you've done in this space and, you know, what you're providing also is another way for brands and customers and, and people in this industry to reach more people. And I think that's what this is all about is really unifying um, people over one specific thing, and that's cannabis. And, and I'm, I'm stoked to be a part of it, especially in this revolutionary stage of, California becoming recreationally legal and uh, being from Cleveland and coming to LA and being in this cannabis capital. Wow. Um, I get so I get so lucky to be able to meet people like you and, and meet all the dispensary owners and meet all the brands. So um, I'm really honored to be on your show. Thank you very much. And and yeah, Pleasure. please uh, if anybody's if anybody's interested in anything, uh, we're always happy to uh, to, to tell you everything you need to know um, because our customers are probably your customers. Right. Well, Victoria Posh, APOP Media, thank you so much for being on with us. I'm sure we're going to get to hear a lot more from you down the line. Uh, thanks for making time to join us and all the best. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Friday night, August 25th, CannabisRadio.com and the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo invite you aboard the hottest party of the summer. Burn like a baller and party like a player at High Tide. An exclusive VIP experience aboard a luxurious $40 million mega yacht sailing along the intercoastal and all points in between. High Tide is destined to be the can't-miss nighttime networking event for anyone active in the cannabis space. Don't miss the boat. Tickets are going fast. RSVP now at usccexpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. That's usccexpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. High Tide is presented by the Cannabis Business Awards, honoring cannabis professionals deserving of historical recognition and esteemed accolades for industry progression and innovation. Learn more at CannabisBusinessAwards.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit 8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including health care, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th to the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. 
Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back to hear more from NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin reporting for CannabisRadio.com, and we are here at the NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit 2018 in San Jose, California, and I have the great pleasure to be interviewing Bao Lee, who is with BAS Research. Welcome, Bao. Hello, Randy. How are you? Uh, doing well. My feet are killing me. <laughs> Mine, too, because I decided to wear stilts today. I feel very irresponsible of me. Um, but I want to talk about something that is important to so many people. You have a child who at 14 months was diagnosed with autism. Now, being a, a new parent with a beautiful child, what goes through your head? I think as a caregiver to a special needs child, um, that's what you are. You're caregiving for your child. Um, whether your child has special needs or not, as parents, we try to find the best uh, remedy or solution when they're sick or when they're happy. So to me, the important part was understanding what my son was going through. And that's pretty difficult when your child's 14 months old and doesn't have the capacity to truly express what they need and, and how they're feeling. And then from what I understand, after 14 months, he started experiencing seizures on top of it. May I ask what the doctors were recommending as a course of treatment? Uh, traditionally, there are anti-seizure medicines um, like Keppra, uh, things that are more mild for autistic children, but um, definitely something that is control their seizures. And how did you feel those medications, were they helping him? Well, the side effects are anger, suicidal tendencies, and depression. So, not the best thing for a child that is non-communitory from just side effects of autistic behavior. So, no, I, we weren't really happy that he was on it. And what did you do? I mean, you're a loving parent, your child's being put on medication that's unfortunately amplifying some of the symptoms that you're looking to quiet in him. So what happens next? Uh, desperation. Um, you try to find ways uh, not only was he having seizures but night terrors. So we wake up incoherent in the middle of the night and yelling and screaming and sometimes having a grand mal seizure and then defecating uh, one after the other. So it's ripped our family apart and just as a caregiver and his dad and as a doctor I, I felt helpless at the time. It's a, that's a horrible, horrible feeling to have to go through. And you're a, you're a doctor, for those listening. Um, Dr. Lee is actually a chiropractor by trade. So you took to the interwebs and you did research. And let's fast forward a little bit. Well, fast forward is uh, understanding cannabis and understanding that CBD was anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety effects on children. Um, a lot of the research there was... Um, anecdotal at the best. So understanding that the entourage effect is a huge um, uh, indication that when you have CBD, CBD receptor sites in your body, that when THC comes in for euphoric effects and then CBD comes in for anti-anxiety effects, it, it, it really changes your scope and seeing that it's, we're not trying to make our children medicated and high and euphoric. Uh, we're trying to understand how to calm down their parasympathetics that are, are heightened a lot of autistic conditions, children have hypersensitivity because their parasympathetic nervous systems are always overload. 
So by having CBD come in as an entourage effect of THC, it calmed him down so that he can actually fall asleep at night. That's beautiful. And of course, a well-rested child is a child that can have a can do their activities of daily living and, and live a more vibrant life. So not only were you able to get medicine for your son and allow him to live a happy and um, successful childhood, but now you've actually gotten to the business as well. And I understand, thank you so much. The whole reason why we're in this industry is for people like you who are looking to help others that are going through the same thing. The whole premise of how BS, BS Research started was trying to find clean ingredients for my son. And knowing that extracting from the cannabis plant, THC and CBD, I found a, a very useful ratio that helped my son um, basically fall asleep at night so his body can heal itself and control his seizures. Um, we take pride in trying to find a clean supply chain from growers, make sure that we test them thoroughly for pesticides and microbials, and once it passed state regulations, convert that to oil using CO2 extraction methods. Then as a main ingredient, we can make products and support brands that need our ingredients to make safe and effective medicine. I love that. It's so important because from state to state, there's so many different, you know, compliance in one state and what's allowed in one state from a microbial or a, um, a pesticide perspective is different from others. But whether you're giving it to your child, your grandmother, your aunt, or hopefully yourself, it should be consistent from state to state. And it also should be the best quality because what are we doing? We're putting this in our body and it's intended to be medicine. So hats off to you, Dr. Lee, for your awesome contribution to the industry. And, you know, I think the, the takeaway of all this is as a group of operators are standing here in, in 2018 in you know, San Jose and California being the mecca of not only investment funding and also uh, operators, um, there is a sense of uh, urgency to do this the right way and tons of money is, are pump, pumping in from any direction that you can for cannabis. So we really have to be careful how we do it carefully and as, as a collaboration to make, like you said, great products to great medicine. So thank you for the opportunity to speak and share the story how we got here and uh, maybe you can visit the BAS uh, uh, Research website and we'll get more information on the website. That's fantastic. Dr. Lee, thank you for spending time with us today. Again, it's BAS Research for everyone to go and check out more. And those of you that are looking to get into the business and they're looking to launch a product, BIS Research can help you. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin live from the NCIA Business Conference in San Jose. Thanks for tuning in to these special episodes from the conference floor. You can join us in Anaheim this October 22nd through 23rd at the California Cannabis Business Conference. Learn more at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. And thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com.
Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.